Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, April 19th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, those of you who are into the political theater certainly got your fill this week with the release of the Mueller report. As I understand it, the thing proves Trump is innocent beyond a shadow of a doubt. Or or wait, did it prove him guilty beyond a shadow of a doubt? Or all of the above? Actually, what it proves is that you can spin stuff like this however you want, depending on your partisan proclivities. And since I don't really have any partisan proclivities, I really can't tell you what this thing is all about. So, by the way, is there a trade deal yet or not? Okay, that's enough of the political theater. Let's talk a little bit about precious metals. It was another down week for gold. In fact, the yellow metal hit its lowest price since December 27th this week, dipping to around 1273 per ounce. There is rising risk-on sentiment that is dragging on precious metals right now. A couple of weeks ago, everybody was worried that economic growth was slowing down. Well, now apparently it isn't. Well, at least that's what the pundits are telling us. So a lot more optimism out there. The March retail sales numbers were a big part of that swing toward optimism. They rose a solid 1.6% against an expected increase of 0.9. Employment numbers still look good as well. But it wasn't all good news with economic data. U.S. manufacturing was flat in March after two straight months of declines, and factory production dropped at a 1.1% annualized rate in the first quarter. According to Reuters, soft manufacturing and slowing economic growth reflect the ebbing stimulus from a $1.5 trillion tax cut package and supply chain disruptions caused by Washington's trade war with China. Nevertheless, most of the pundits seem to think everything is rosy again, at least in the U.S. and in China, too. Economic growth in the first quarter there remained steady at 6.4%, topping expectations for a 6.3% expansion. But in Europe, eh, not so much. There doesn't seem to be much optimism at all across the pond. Surveys showed that Eurozone businesses started the first quarter on the proverbial back foot, with growth slowing once again. Now, this swing toward bullishness has increased risk sentiment. It has also buoyed the dollar, which hit a new high for the year on Thursday. Of course, the strong dollar has been creating headwinds for the precious metals markets for months. Every time I hear people talking up the greenback, I'm reminded of one analyst, and I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, but he said it's not really that the dollar is all that strong. It's just that it's the dog with the least amount of fleas. In other words, this is really more about other currency weakness than in any ringing endorsement for the dollar. Just a little food for thought. Anyway, everybody is going to be anxiously awaiting the Q1 GDP number that is expected to come out next Friday. Market consensus is expecting it to come in at around 1.8%, so I guess we'll just have to wait for that with bated breath. We have much more bullish sentiment now than we did even three or four weeks ago. So here's the important question. What exactly has changed? I've talked on a number of occasions about the importance of keeping the big picture in sight, the economic fundamentals underlying the economy. That hasn't changed at all. I think what we're seeing right now is the result of the Powell pause. I mean, the whole point was to rescue the stock market and to try to blow air back into the deflating bubble. 
If that was the Fed's goal, kudos to them because it looks like it's worked. But how long will it last? Peter Schiff uses the drug addict analogy a lot. I think it's really a perfect illustration of the economy. The Fed injected monetary heroin for about a decade, and then it tried to wean the addict off the drug. Well, the addict predictably went into withdrawal. Not willing to let the addict suffer, Powell injected a little more heroin. The addict is high and happy right now. He got his drug. But how long will it last? How long will it be until the addict needs more drug? That's the point where you're going to see interest rate cuts and another round of QE. Heck, the president is begging for this. And this week, his economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, said he doesn't expect to see rate increases again in his lifetime. How does this even make sense? We're supposedly in this great economic boom, right? And yet Trump and company wants the kind of monetary policy we would normally see in a recession. I know a lot of people don't like the president, but I don't really think he's that stupid. I think he's pushing for the Fed to keep easy monetary policy in place because he knows the economy isn't as great as advertised. He understands that it's a big, fat ugly bubble just like it was when he took office. He wants to keep the bubble inflated at least until he gets through the 2020 election. And if things do start to tank, he can always use the Fed as a scapegoat. Nobody really understands the impact of monetary policy anyway, so a lot of people would buy it. I guarantee you his base would buy it. Peter made this same point during his podcast this week. He said, how can Donald Trump be saying on the one hand that we have the greatest economy in the history of the world? On the other hand, we need the same emergency monetary policy we needed in the depths of the Great Recession. It doesn't make sense. We have the greatest economy, but we need emergency quantitative easing. Well, the reason it makes sense is because Trump knows we don't have a great economy. He knows we have a great bubble. He knew we had a bubble as a candidate. He criticized the Fed for doing quantitative easing, for inflating the bubble. But now that he owns the bubble, he needs the Fed to do more QE to keep it from popping before the next election. Speaking of keeping bubbles from popping, I mentioned that people are a little bit more optimistic about things in China. It was looking like China was heading toward a big slowdown there for a while, but now those fears have eased a bit. Well, you know who's doing a bunch of stimulus? You guessed it. China. Yep, the Chinese are getting a little bit of monetary heroin of their own. Some people are actually concerned about this, which is kind of weird because usually these Keynesian experiments are heartily applauded. Regardless, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, the OECD, is warning that while Chinese government stimulus may boost the country's economy in the short run, it may undermine the country's drive to control debt and worsen structural distortions over the medium term. Sound familiar? Yep, we've been to this show. In fact, I think we're still watching it now. Uh, You know, Powell pause. Anyway, the Chinese economy has been slowing in recent months due to weaker domestic demand and the ongoing trade war with the U.S. In an attempt to boost the economy, the Chinese government has launched a massive stimulus program. According to Reuters, local governments will be allowed to issue $320.6 billion in bonds for infrastructure projects this year. That would represent a 59% increase over last year. Huh. Infrastructure. You know, that's another thing that Trump has championed. And of course, 
It was a big thing with the Obama administration. In fact, this is the typical Keynesian response to an economic slowdown. We've seen it before. The Obama administration launched a massive stimulus program during the Great Recession. Much of it's targeted at infrastructure spending. But the money from these projects, it doesn't just rain down from the heavens. It has to be borrowed. That means it must be paid back. According to S&P Global Ratings, local governments in China are already sitting on as much as $560 billion in debt. Wow, there's a shock. Government running up a bunch of debt to stimulate the economy. Huh. Actually, it seems kind of familiar. I'm getting a little deja vu. Eh, Okay, I don't know. Government spending and loose monetary policy. These are two prongs of the same fork. It's injecting money, either borrowed or created out of thin air by central banks, into the economy to boost it up. It's monetary heroin. And yes, it will keep the addict high and happy. That is, until it kills him. A couple of quick news items relating to gold that I want to highlight before I wrap up the show. Gold holdings in European-based ETFs hit a record high in Q1. I mentioned earlier that the Eurozone is one region where nobody is particularly bullish on the economy right now, so it's not surprising that European investors are turning to precious metals. I'll link to the article I wrote about this on the show notes page. Also, Romania is a step closer to repatriating all of its gold. This is part of a growing trend of countries bringing their gold back within their borders. Gold repatriation underscores the importance of holding physical gold where you can easily access it. Gold-backed exchange-traded funds and paper gold certainly have their place in investing. But true security and stability come from physical possession of precious metals. ShiftGold offers storage solutions for your precious metals. For more information on that and about investing in gold and silver in general, you can talk to a ShiftGold precious metal specialist. Do it today. Just call 1-888-GOLD-160. Well, that's a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. And if you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes or on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. Uh, you'll find links on the show notes page. And if you're listening on YouTube, you're welcome to share your thoughts on this week's gold news in the comment section. We're always happy to hear from you. Again, I really appreciate you listening to the show. And I'll talk to you again next time.